name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Today's Gospel, um, which was the same as last night's, but from a different one, as we mentioned yesterday, the Church is celebrating the seasons of what's going on um, within the life of the people, and then transforming it into something that the people can relate to based on their actual lives. If you like to, to baptize, if you will, what the people are doing. So at the beginning of Nairuz, a month ago, right, the church was celebrating the harvest because that was the time of the year where the people were collecting the crops, they're collecting the grains. Um, and that's why we were singing, or in, in many churches we sing, um, Thou crownest the year, Sana, right? It's a very popular one among the people because the church is celebrating the harvest, right? And they're, they're celebrating the bounty that God has given them. And the Lord did this himself when he, was, when he was in the flesh among us, right? Is that he took parables and he used the things that the people understood to explain to them, right? He knew that there's going to be many farmers so he could use the parable of the seas to talk about it, right? Other times he would talk about the kingdom of heaven. He would, he would compare it to a woman and what she was doing in her culture, right? He would, he would compare it to um, the political situation, saying which of you if the enemy is coming, right? He used analogies that people could understand. So this is the time of the year where after the harvest we would start throwing the seeds to prepare for the following year, right? And this is why the church chose for this week, right, to keep talking about the seeds, to say, all right, well, since this is what you're doing in your real life, all right, let's bring it into the church that we can understand it um, and spiritualize. So our Lord talked about the different, the different kinds of soil, um, and the disciples were very clear they didn't understand what was going on. And so Christ, thankfully, in this one, we don't need to overly interpret. He told us what this is about. He said the seed is the word of God, and he talked about the different kinds of soil or the different kinds of, of receiving land that there are. So obviously he said that the seed is the word of God, and there's a big difference between the Word of God and the Word of the world, between the children of God and the children of the world. So everything that's begotten resembles its parents, right? A child who is born of, of parents resembles his parents, and so the Word of God is going to resemble God Himself. And unless a seed dies, it doesn't grow, um, which is a symbol of what Christianity is, right? Unless we die to the world, we're not going to be able to grow. But let's talk a little bit about the different kinds of hearts that there are, the different kinds of, of soil. So the first kind of, of land that our Lord described was the seeds that fell on the way, the seeds that fell on the path. And St. Sir of Alexandria talks about this, and he says the reason that the seed on the path can be snatched away, right? Because our Lord said the devil comes and snatches it off of, the, off of the way. So that the reason why the devil can snatch it away is because the path is hard, right? That this is a hard road. A pathway always is hard and untiled because it is exposed to everyone's feet, nor is any seed admitted into it, but it relies upon the surface. And it's ready for the birds to come and to snatch it away. So this kind of heart is the hard heart, right? The people who are not interested, um, not only uninterested in receiving the Word of God, but they're actually very cold to it, 
right? And these are the things that we need to reflect on ourselves because I think the reality is that many of us are a combination of these grounds. We're not just one kind, we're a combination of the different kinds that are here, right? And what is it that makes me cold? What makes me so hostile um, to hearing any word other than my own? Sometimes it's my ego, right? Sometimes it is because I want something so badly that I know is wrong that I'm not going to be open to hearing anything else that's going to oppose me. And so I harden myself to the possibility of anything else being true. That was the first kind, and these are common. I meet many people who um, are struggling with atheism or doubt, but instead of being open to hearing the truth, they're actually angry to hear the truth. This shows that there's a stony heart, right? If a person is actually looking for the truth, they're not going to be unhappy if somebody gives them an answer to their concern, right? If somebody's looking for the truth, they're not going to be unhappy if something contradicts them. Right? This is, if a person is looking for truth, they should rejoice when there's new information that gives them more light on what they were thinking or, or feeling. So do you have a hard heart that is open for the devil's work, or do you close yourself up to hearing things that could be good for you? Right? If our parents are telling us something, or if our kids are telling something, or a priest is telling us something, or a teacher, or somebody is telling you something, are you angry? when what they say opposes your thought and your opinion. And if you are, why? Is it because you know yourself to be true or is it simply because you believe yourself to be true? So you need to ask yourself, where is this coming from and why am I close to it? That's the, 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 the rock, the, the path I mean. The second kind was the seeds that fell upon the rock. And I honestly think the majority of us Christians are mostly in the rock area, right? Where it's said that when the seed fell, it rejoiced. Like, okay, thank you. This is great. I, I like it a lot. But the minute that any kind of problems arose, right, then they took off um, and, couldn't, and couldn't tolerate it, right? His exact words are, as soon as it grew, it withered away because it had no moisture, and then our Lord explains it saying that those on the rock are those who receive the word with joy when they hear, but they have no root. They believe for a while, then fall away in time of temptation. Right? So the minute something goes wrong, this is when we're up in arms. I didn't get what I wanted. Something horrible happened to my friend or a family member or to myself. Right? We didn't get the promotion that we wanted. And so we get very worked up, and so right away we're like, what kind of faith is this? Right? Even though the preaching of the Word never said in it that there wasn't going to be hard times. In fact, there was quite an assurance of the opposite. Right? We're like, if God was so loving, then why on earth does this happen? If this is so true, then how come X, Y, and Z occurred? And these are those of us who just want everything to be rosy and peachy all the time, right? And I, I know there's a movement now with what's called the prosperity gospel, right? Which is that if you love the Lord God with all of your heart, then the sign of Him working in your life will be that you are rich, will be that you have the best jobs, that you will get the best position. And if you don't have these, it means you're probably doing 
something wrong, right? Which is not the gospel, which clearly um, our Lord is saying. So am I one of the people who the seed falls upon rocks? The third kind is the thorns, the seeds that fell upon the thorns. And those upon whom the seed fell who are thorny, they go their way, they accept the seeds, right? But the problem is that if the seed starts to grow, what has its prominent place is the thorns, right? It's not an environment, it's not a condition that's receptive to the growth of greenery, right? So they'll say, I'm okay with you as long as you don't touch me, right? The minute that you are going to conflict with what it is that I have in mind, you're no longer welcome, right? So if you can find a, a way for these seeds and for these plants to grow around my thorns, no problem, I'll accept you, right? But the minute that you touch something that I want or that I like, I'm sorry, if I have to choose between the two, I choose me. Right? And so that's why many of us are a combination of these, because many of us have our thorns. We'll say anything but that. Right? I won't take that. And these are vaguely defined by our Lord with worries, wealth, pleasures of life. Right? There's different things that each of us have as our thorns. These could be my will. Right? It could be that, okay, the Lord has in mind for something that he thinks that I would be good to work at, and I say, oh, I don't like that kind. So I won't, right? So my, my will might be the, the thorn that's within me. It might be my thoughts and my preconceptions, right? Where it's like, well, no, no, no. If, it's gonna, if this is true, it should work this way, and I'm going to align everything to my version of what um, should be true. It could be your aversion to work, right? It could be that I don't want to work, um, whether it's spiritual work or secular work or, or whatever it is, that I'm going to just do whatever I feel like, right? I want things to match me. And it might be other people's thoughts and opinions. It might be your addictions, right? Where you say, well, no, I like to cuss. I like to club. I like to whatever it is that I do that might be an opposition to the gospel that I'm saying, I can take the stuff that you want me to do, but I'm not going to do these things. My heart is not receptive to the gospel because at the end of the day, what I'm worshiping is myself and I'm not ready to take on the gospel until I've had my fill right this is the the Augustine complex right where he knew he was wrong right but he said I'm not ready to do anything about it because I like this right now a lot of us are caught in that phase and might not even realize that we're in that phase really what we should be doing is trying to get the seed to grow right the good soil okay some people might say, well, I'm not that good soil. And I would argue back, yes, you were, <laughs> right? Is that we were, we were baptized in Christ, and when we were baptized, we were made into the good soil. So if you were a rocky ground and you were baptized, well, God sent the bulldozer and completely ripped it up and put the soil in, okay? If you were the thorny kind when you are baptized, God uprooted all of the thorns and all of the weeds and did all of these things. So all of us started off as the good soil. There is nobody who can say, woe is me, woe is me, my poor self, I was not given that opportunity. Yes, you were. Okay, all of you were given that opportunity, and all of us continually have that opportunity. Right? The good soil is what we were supposed to be, what we were made to be. The question is, what do I do to that soil? Okay, and this is where the labor comes in that most of us don't like. Okay, 
This is why I think when Christ said become like children, he was saying, be that good soil before everything bad happened to it, before you put all this stuff in it, before you got lazy, before you allowed other people to throw their stuff on your land, you said, yeah, no problem, I'll take it, right? Where, where you think you're being nice and you, you weren't, you're, you were ruining something. We were supposed to be the good soil. So the seed needs to be nurtured, which means that there's an active effort that needs to be put in, right? Nobody at home who wants to plant a garden can just throw the seeds and say it's gonna come out perfectly. Right? And, then, and expect that in a decade they're going to come and just pull the fruit off the tree. It doesn't work that way, unfortunately. Right? You need to prepare the ground for it. Right? You need to remove the weeds that are there. You need to then put the seed in. Then you've got to make sure that, I don't know what animals you guys have in the States, but for us it's the squirrels. Right? We have to make sure that the squirrels and the rabbits and all sorts of things don't have easy access to the seed because you can put it and then even if it grows a little bit, they'll come and eat it. Right? Or another animal may come and do other things in it and, and leave certain gifts for us that cause toxicity, right, and not allow it to grow. I need to know, is this a climate for this seed to grow in or not, right? In the winter in Canada, that's something that's not going to allow a palm tree to grow at all, right? So if I'm trying to try to grow a palm tree in the winter, good luck with that, not in Canada, okay? If I want to grow a seed, I need to know what is the climate that it can be nurtured in, Right? What is the ground in which it will grow? What is the pH of the soil that it needs for it to be able to grow? I need to take care beforehand of all of these things, and then I can put my seed in, right? because now I know what it needs. Then after I've put it in, right, I need to watch, I need to nurture, I need to watch for these weeds that grow. I need to watch for these thorns and thistles that are there. And I need to be constantly doing work to do it. This is why in the Orthodox Church we talk about work. Right? Is that it's not all grace, right? Grace is what saves me, yes. Okay? Grace is the work of God on it that cannot allow a person um, to grow or be saved without. But I can't say, okay, God, build my garden. Okay, God, you just do all of this stuff, and I sit here and I do absolutely nothing. Our Lord is very clear about that, right? We believe in synergy. My work with His grace is how I can be saved. So, what are the ways to nurture? the seed, the Word of God? Well, the good soil is the good spiritual life, the healthy spiritual life. That's, that's all it is, right? Somebody who is in a good spiritual state. There are so many aspects, obviously, to spiritual life. My prayer, right? My dialogue with God. Love, right? We can be, we can be saved in, in, in different ways. St. Therese of, of Lisieux, um, talks about many different ways that a person can approach the Lord, right? For her, she asked to be a little flower, right? That was what she said to God. She was like, I want to be that sheep flower on the side. I don't need to be anything fancy, right, like everybody else, but I'm happy to be this little flower that, that you love because God said he loves the lilies of the field, right? And how worthless they are in the eyes of men, but how beautiful they are to God. My spiritual life, the Bible, Right? Instruction and knowledge. Right? If you want a manual okay, for how to grow your seed, well then you have to be reading your Bible. Are you reading your Bible? Because if you're not, how on earth do you know what's going wrong or right in the nurturing of this seed? Spiritual reading. Right? Spiritual reading is like getting really artistic with your plant. Right? It's the, it's the fertilizer, if you will. 
right, of getting to the specialist and finding out, okay, well, it's growing, sure, but I want it to go really well, right? I want my vine to go around the wall of my house to look like those pictures, right? I'm going to go and I'm going to read. This is what spiritual reading does. Or, as one of the, the fathers said, is that reading gives intellect to prayer, right? That's what Isaac of Nineveh said, is that my spiritual reading will help me when I am praying to know what I am praying about and who I am talking to. It gives intellect, it gives life to my prayer. Obviously the mysteries, right, the sacraments, these are the source of life itself. This is what we water with, right? If you try and water your plant with orange juice, many plants aren't going to do too well, right? There might be some kind, but not the normal kind, right? But we need the special kind of, of, of nutrient-filled um, watering, which is the mysteries. And of course, good works, right? Good works are the things that enkindles the Holy Spirit to work within us. If I want to have good soil, these are all things that, um, that help grow in. The woman who lost the piece of silver, right, in one of the Gospels, where God gives another parable, um, first lit the lamp, then set the house in order, and thus the house being set in order and the lamp lit, the piece of silver was found, right? It was found buried in dirt and filth and earth. So the soul cannot find itself with its own thoughts, but has to disengage them first, right? We need to turn on the lights, we need to clean up. Um, and then the divine lamp is lit, and when it is lit, it lights up the house. When the house is lit, then you can find out that you have dirt everywhere, right? This is the order that we have to do things in. Most of us want to magically be in a state of good soil, again, forgetting um, the work that needs to be done. The third is maintaining it over time, okay? This is patience. Right? It's many of us, after we've done some work, we're proud of ourselves, we did work, we can go to sleep at night. Yeah, today I prayed, right? Today I read the gospel. Today I did a good deed. Today I had communion. That's good. I'm not shooting down that you've done something good, right? But can you take a plant and say, I fed it today, and then be excited and expect that in a week because you watered it once, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be fine, right? Because often we take that approach with prayer. I'm like, well, I did pray this week. I'm like, well, do you talk about that with your food? I ate on Monday, right? And then consider yourself having done a great deed that you ate on Monday, right? If anybody said that to you, you'd be sarcastic and be like, well, I need to eat every day. Exactly, right? Same thing with your spiritual life, right? This requires active maintenance work, right? It's not something you do once in a while. It's something that we have to do persistently. One of the sayings of the fathers that I like, an old man used to say, we do not advance because we do not know our capacity. And we have not sufficient patience in the work which we have begun, and we wish to possess spiritual excellences without working for them, right? Which is exactly what we're, we're talking about, and this is someone talking to monks. And we go from place to place and expect to find some spot where Satan is not. And when we see the temptation of Satan in that place wherein we have been called, he who knows what the war is will remain in God, for the kingdom of heaven is within you, right? So it's like we're a bunch of people who don't know our capacity. We think that there's going to be some place where Satan isn't, right, like the rock, right, exactly what Christ talked about, right, but then we get all worked up if we find that there's labor. We find that there's a warfare, and it's like, oh great, I guess I can't stay here. You're never going to advance, right? You have to be prepared for the warfare. The thorns and the thistles are our passions. You need to, you need to deal with them, right? They're not going away. You have passions within you, right? St. Paul had them, and he talks about them. I have them, you have them. 
And so we need to do work. I remember Abuna Lazarus, um, Al-Amtoni, the, the hermit, one time I was talking to him um, about dealing with spiritual warfare in general. And he looked at me with like contempt and he was like, you have to fast, right? And he was like, he goes, who likes to fast? Nobody likes to fast. Why do you think you're going to like to fast? Right? Because in my head, I'm like, oh, I'm supposed to love it and be like, all those people are like, I will fast a week, I will fast a month. And, and I'm like, I, I don't like that. I'm not interested in doing that. He goes, nobody likes to fast. He goes, why would you want to fast? Fasting goes against your, your passion of, of, of wanting these things. And he goes, but that's irrelevant. <laughs> you have to do it. Right? He goes, we don't do these things um, because we think that it's the most fun thing to do. We do these things because we need to do them. Right? Are we athletes for Christ? Right? If you want to be an athlete for Christ, which is your identity, then no, we have to do these things because we must do them. Right? A person who's training for a marathon has to train. They might not like waking up at 6 a.m., but that's irrelevant. They need to wake up at 6 a.m. to train, or they need to be up all night. They need to do something to achieve that goal. So don't get choked, because where your heart is, there your treasure is also. Okay, so you need to think about where is my treasure, or you will be choked. Um, we need to be aware in this long-term maintenance that the diseases of certain sins can kill the whole plant, right? Just like in real life, we can get ill. I might get a cold. It might not be a big deal to have a cold. It's still an illness, right? It's different from if I get cancer, right? It's different from when I notice that there's an infection that can come and swallow up the whole body if I don't treat it actively and quickly. Okay, so in our maintenance, we need to be very vigilant for signs of infection, right? This means having regular checkups. This is why you must have a spiritual father, right? You can't not have one, right? Like, even physicians have physicians, right? Even physicians are not allowed to treat themselves. So even if you think you're a physician, all power to you, but you can't treat yourself. Okay, let someone else treat you. You might be brilliant, okay? Even for me as a priest, I would always say to some of my, my fellow priests or to my spiritual father, it's amazing how much more easy it is to be objective with other people, right, than it is to be with yourself, right? It's easy for an outsider to be like, oh, <laughs> your problem is this? It's very easy, like you don't need to worry about it. Whereas a person might be very worked up about it. But on my own spiritual life, I'm going to not be seeing things because I'm biased towards myself, right? I'm looking at one particular thing, or I'm excited about a particular thing, or I'm upset about a particular thing. So even I go to my spiritual guides. You must have regular checkups because you might not be noticing that there's a disease springing up in you that's going to kill you, right? And then when you're dead, you're like, aha, what kind of God was that, right? You become the, the rocky guy. And you became the rocky person because of your own negligence, right? Because you refused to allow anybody to help you. So we need to be getting um, regular checkups. Or on the other side, there might be something wrong that I notice, but I don't realize it's wrong. I think it's pretty, right? Like, here's my plan, and it has this red mark. Like, oh, red and green, it's nice. It looks like Christmas, right? And it's like, well, actually, no, that's a disease, right? And it's going to kill it, right? If I don't have the knowledge, I won't recognize it. And so I need somebody else's knowledge to tell me that that isn't pretty. It might be aesthetically pleasing to you, okay? But it's also going to kill you. And this is why we need to have help. And as we said earlier, you need to protect your seed from intruders, right? From animals, from insects, from anything that is going to harm it. These are false teachings. These are trends, um, social norms. 
all of these which can steal um, and kill your work, right? One parent spoke to me this week, among others, about teachings that have come in at school, right? That, that teachers are saying in front of your kids. Are you aware of these teachings that your kids are being told, right? Are you helping to protect this, this other seed that you're trying to, to raise? Are you aware of the answers to these issues? Do you know what kind of things are being done? Because these are the intruders that are coming to attack us, right? And do you have an answer for it? Do you have the tools and the skills that you need um, to respond? And even if you fall, no problem, right? That happens, right? The nice thing is that unless you leave your plant to die completely, so long as there is a piece of the root that's alive, so long as you have breath in you, life can be restored, right? There is nobody who is alive that can't be saved. If you're alive, you can be saved. don't care what state you're in, right? I don't care how bad you think you are, right? There is nothing that is impossible. There is nothing that doesn't have treatment. We might have a different treatment course that we need to take, but we can all be saved, right? All of us, no matter where we are. There are so many stories of monks who fell, and I like specifically talking about monks who fell because theoretically the monks are the good guys, right? Theoretically the monks are the ones and the nuns who are so deep in their spiritual life, right? But we read stories of their virtue in the paradise, and we read a lot of stories about their falls, right? And falls that you wouldn't expect for them to happen, where a monk will fall in fornication, a monk will fall into judgment, a monk will have done all sorts of horrible things, right? But these monks are still being saved. So no matter what place that we are, we can be saved. Because the true meaning of repentance, as we've said in other times, is not to rip up my garments and pour ash cloth on my head. Repentance is simply change of heart. I was saying, oh, I was doing this wrong. I will stop doing it wrong. I will fix it, right? If I'm putting orange juice on my plant, oh, that's bad for it. Okay, I won't do that anymore. It's that simple. That is what repentance is, is to simply say, I have gone astray. I will now correct it. And finally, rejoice in the seat. Right? Don't be all negative. So these were the negatives that we needed for the, 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 the protection of it. But we have to rejoice. The plant is beautiful. Right? It's, it's a nice plant. Right? So we can be happy about that. We don't need to always be looking at it. Right? And we sometimes have this problem. We'll see it in others. Right? With how, we, how other people deal with their kids, even though I might be doing it to my own. Being like, oh, all he talks about is how bad his kid is. Right? Why doesn't he rejoice in their kids? And every kid is like, why can't they notice anything good in me? This is true. Okay, there is merit in this as well. We should look at the plant and say that it is beautiful. Um, the plant brings forth fruit. We can be happy about that. There's something to, to delight in and to take pleasure in. The fruit is delicious, and it brings nutrients and life to others. Okay, so don't be all negative. So as you grow in taking care of your plants, you will also learn how to care for others, and you can become a true worker in his vineyard, and the laborer is worthy of his hire. God is not unhappy if we have some joy from it. Every plant which my heavenly Father has not planted will be rooted up, um, our Lord said. But in the meantime, we can take delight in being a plant that the Lord um, has put. And then we can understand more the meaning of our Lord when we pray and we sing the hymn that says, O Lord, look down and visit the plant which your right hand has planted visit it and cause your vine to increase. May the Lord find his vine growing um, and worthy of his visitation.
and glory be to our God forever and ever. Amen.